Welcome to Public Health Out Loud, Public Health for the Public. Hi, I'm Dr. Jim McDonald, Medical Director of the Rhode Island Department of Health. And I'm Dr. Philip Chan. Welcome, everyone. Dr. Chan, we're getting back together again for part two. We're welcoming back our friends, Dr. David Barasa, Chief Medical Officer at Thunder Mist Community Health Center, and Dr. Peter Pogachar from East Greenwich Pediatrics. We're going to talk about back to school. Dr. Chan, are you excited about today's episode? I'm excited. And as I mentioned the previous episode, you know, when I sent my kids back in learning uh, in person in September 2020, I was nervous. And we're going to talk about this upcoming year, this uh, fall of 2021 here and sending our kids back. I know there's been lots of questions. Yeah, the fall of 2020 was just different in every way, shape and form. I think, you know, not everybody got to send their children back to school. And this year, everybody's going back to school. So I expect to see a lot of backpacks soon, a lot of crayons and a lot of fun and a lot of kids heading back to school. But we're gonna go out to our guests, Dr. David Barasa and Dr. Peter Pogachar, and talk about what does back to school 2021, what do you think it's gonna look like? And we're still figuring it out on a national level a little bit, but why don't we talk a little bit about what we think this might look like. So Dr. Barasa, I wanna start with you first, if you don't mind. So based on our discussion in the last week's episode, you know, a lot of families, a lot of kids missed regular health check-ins and screenings during COVID-19. Is it too late to get caught up? And, and if not, how do we help families get caught up? What are your thoughts, Dr. Barasa? Sure. Thank you. Um, I think one of the first things I would say is get in as soon as you can. I think we're worried about actually as we come, um, we're in the middle of the summer right now, the closer we get to the fall, people are going to be thinking about, oh, what about sports physicals? Oh, what about uh, getting the vaccines I need for kindergarten or for seventh grade, those sorts of things. And uh, my strong suggestion to folks would be call your pediatrician or call your family practice doctor or whoever you see for primary care and, you know, tell them, hey, can I get in now so that I can get um, all set for the fall? So I would get in early is one of the things I would suggest. And Dr. Pogachar, let me ask you this. Are there any issues related to children's health that you're concerned may linger after COVID? I think we talked a little bit last time about uh, some of the vaccinations and some of these other, you know, the fact that we haven't seen a lot of flu, but is there anything that we're concerned about uh, that we may, we should be addressing post-COVID? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still concerned about the mental health issues. And uh, I, I, I do think that it's going to be uh, greatly alleviated just by reducing the isolation and getting people back uh, together and uh, doing things and, of course, back to school. I think that's going to be a major help. Uh, but I do think that uh, uh, folks being off schedule and not having a schedule, not having a rhythm to their, to, to their life or to their day, has been extremely disruptive. And and uh, sure, getting back to that rhythm will help set things right. But some folks, I think, are going to have trouble getting back to that rhythm uh, and, uh, you know, advocating for that and providing support for that and educating the parents how important that that is for children uh, is, is the challenge. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Pogachar, I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, I think people being away from school for so long you know, it, it's going to be, a, it's different. You know, in some ways we were all outdoor cats for a year. We're going back to becoming indoor cats. And there's just a little bit of that difference there. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about when I came back to work at the Department of Health in the building was, it was just interesting being around people again. And I think just talking through those issues with your children about like, we've been to school before, what does it look like? And how to just anticipate what a first day is going to look like. 
I think it'd just be helpful to talk through with kids what's going to happen um, if they weren't back when school ended. I mean, it's one of the things where I think kids want to get back to what normal is, and that's what the fall should be here. So, Dr. Barasa, I want to just talk to you next about what we're doing in Rhode Island in the fall. We're planning on full in-person learning in the fall in Rhode Island. And I'm curious, do you think it's a good decision? You know, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Barasa? So I'm excited about that for the kids. I think the in-person learning is really important uh, for kids. I am concerned and I just want to make sure that, that although kids are going in person, um, the, the pandemic isn't gone away. And so one of the things that's going to be happening is if kids are symptomatic, they're going to need testing and they're also probably going to have to have quarantining. And so just making sure that we also have the infrastructure still in place so that kids can remote learn while they're in quarantine or, you know, before they get tested and things like that. Cause I think we're, it's not over. And so we're, we've got a tricky balance to walk coming this fall. And Dr. Pogachar, let me ask you this as uh, for a parent out there in the community uh, what do you tell parents about why it's important to get kids into the pediatrician? So I'm just, you know, obviously COVID and some of the vaccinations we talked about, but why if, for a nervous parent uh, who, you know, isn't sure that they want to bring their kids into a doctor's office, why is it so important to get that checkup uh, uh, before going back to school or even during school? Why is it important to show up for that, uh, that, that annual exam? Yeah, so, so yearly physicals and well visits, are uh, just a, a, a really good time for uh, a, a, a yearly health assessment and to really think globally about your child and the progress that, that, that has been made and, the, and the, uh, the, the strengths and the weaknesses in uh, your child's uh, life and health and what are your goals and where you're headed for. And uh, there's just uh, so many issues to be thought about. And it's a good way of, of sort of uh, doing that with your uh, pediatrician, and um, and it's an opportunity. It's only it only comes once a year, and and uh, if missed, can really um, uh, set the whole year up for uh, you know not being as focused as it could be, and not experiencing the gains in, in health that that could could be achieved, um, and getting things addressed uh, before their problems. Yeah, and I think you bring up a lot of good points about why it's just important to reconnect, you know, for no other reason, just getting that normalcy back. And, you know, Dr. Barasa, I want to just pivot to a different topic, though. As we get back to school, there's a lot of conversation nationally and locally about masking of people in school. And so, you know, to mask or not to mask, to borrow a Shakespearean phrase and why not, you know, it just begs the question is, what are your thoughts about the benefits of masking and not masking? I mean, you saw the American Academy of Pediatrics come out and say, gee, we think every student should wear a mask. Uh, but do you have any thoughts on this issue as well? I think one of the things on the American Academy of Pediatrics mind when they made put their guidance out that everybody should be masked is it's really challenging for schools to monitor and know which kids have been vaccinated and which kids have not been vaccinated. And so that makes it challenging because you've got a mixed group, um, some who are vulnerable and some who aren't. And so I think that is going to be one of the challenges in this school year is, is sort of managing that mixture of risk. Um, I, it, I think mask, masks are really useful and helpful. Uh, we saw part of, part of it was social distancing, but I think masking also helped decrease all the respiratory viruses and stuff like that last, last winter. So 
from that standpoint, I don't think it, it hurts to have um, kids masked. It is important to, um, to keep the kids safe and masking helps with that. Dr. Pogachar, let me ask you this. One thing that we've heard from parents about masking uh, is uh, the concern for you know carbon dioxide retention, and especially for kids playing sports and maybe feeling lightheaded, et cetera. How do you, what do you tell parents who may be concerned about masks not physically uh, being good for kids? Is there anything, any truth in that at all? Yeah, I'm not aware of any uh, studies or um, information where it's detrimental. Um, so uh, even in children with, with asthma or other uh, lung uh, or pulmonary issues. It, wearing a, a cloth mask, uh, you know, really shouldn't represent a true medical problem for you. Um, so th- as far as medical uh, challenges, I, 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 I don't see that. Um, yeah, I agree so. with you too, Dr. Pogachar. I mean, I think one of the things we've seen with masks is we've been wearing them for over 100 years as a species in, in operating rooms. And, you know, quite frankly, if there's a problem with it, you think we would have seen it by now. Let's talk a little bit about vaccination for school. And, you know, I think it's important for kids to get vaccinated if they're eligible uh, when they go back to school. So I'm just curious, maybe I'll just start with you, Dr. Barasa, and, and then maybe we'll go to you on this one, Dr. Chan. I'd be curious, how do you talk to parents uh, who might be a little bit skeptical about the vaccines? You know, what have you found at Thundermist that's, you know, people have honest questions. What have you been saying to people? Has anything been persuasive? Dr. Barasa, you first. Sure. I think it's really important to, to have an open-ended discussion. So first, usually I'm, I'm checking in with them, asking them, you know, if they've been vaccinated, the parents, um, and if their kids are old enough, if they've been vaccinated. Because with the mass vaccination sites, a lot of people have gotten vaccinated before they come in the office. So I don't know um, if we don't have a record of it. I'm not sure if they've been vaccinated or not. And usually that's a good, you know, that's a good opener because then you get an idea of, their response to that, whether they're for or against it, sometimes you can tell by their their answer to that. And then if they're um, not interested in getting vaccinated, you know, just really asking them where they're at, why that is, and um, seeing if if we can have a discussion about that. And if they have questions or concerns, really trying to help them walk through those. you know, I personally think it's really important for everybody to get vaccinated, and there are very, very few contraindications to getting vaccinated. So, um, I'm I'm hoping that I can talk people um, who are a little more reluctant into getting it, um, so we have those conversations. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bross. I mean, it's interesting. You know, one of the things you remind me of, like, I think one of the things I do with my patients is, you know, I want every question to be asked. And I want the exam room to be a safe place for a question. Like, you know, I just want my patients to feel comfortable to quite frankly ask me anything that's on their mind. One of the things I've encouraged my patients' families to figure out though is actually ask me your question. I don't want to hear the media's question. I don't want to hear social media's question. What is your question? What are you really afraid of? And if you know that question, if I can answer that for you, I might help you get peace. Because I'm not trying to I'm not trying to sell the vaccine. I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I'm just trying to protect your child's health and help you make the best decision. Dr. Chan, you're an infectious disease expert, and you deal with this every day uh, in the state of Rhode Island and across the country as you talk to your colleagues. What have you been telling people, though, when they ask you questions about vaccines? How do you reassure them about its safety and how effective it is? What, what is your wisdom here? Yeah, thank you, Dr. McDonald, and thank you, Dr. Brasser, for your, for your insights there. 
Um, so first off, I mean, we hear here at the Department of Health and in general, we hear a lot of great questions that people have about these vaccines. And uh, they're, they're reasonable uh, questions to ask. Uh, you know, but I just want to again encourage people that they're to, to rely on the science and the data. You know, one thing I'm reminded, Dr. McDonald, is that these vaccines now we have a year's worth of data out there. These shots uh, were, were uh, the, the major phase three trials actually started a year ago this month in July of 2020. So we have uh, fairly good longer term data now. And even and even in in other vaccines and whatnot, if there were any longer term side effects, we should have seen them by now. And that's one of those questions that we hear a lot about concern about uh, side effects, longer term side effects. And I think, as Dr. Brassa mentioned, really the only contraindication to these vaccines is having an allergic reaction to the vaccine, to the COVID vaccine itself or one of the ingredients uh, uh, that the vaccine is made of. So there's really no reason to get it uh, unless you're allergic to. And even if you've had COVID before, uh, you know, even if you're, uh, you know, a couple months out of having COVID in the past, you should still get vaccinated, um, et cetera. And just reassuring people that, uh, and Dr. McDonald, to your point about not listening to all the rhetoric and, and, and myths and misinformation on social media, these vaccines do not cause COVID. Uh, they do not alter your DNA, uh, et cetera. So just making sure to talk uh, to a physician uh, like Dr. Brassa, like Dr. Pogachar here, um, who can uh, give you the facts and the science and the data. But Dr. Pogachar, let me ask you this. What are you hearing from the community, from your, from your patients, from the parents? What are some of the most common, what are some of the common concerns that you've heard? And what's your response to some of those concerns? Well, I, I think that you've nicely outlined some of the, 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 the most common ones, which are um, the, the myth of uh, the vaccine affecting uh, the young uh, teenage girls' menstrual cycles or their ability to, to be fertile, um, which is, uh, you know, a very shocking, not true myth that is not based in science. And But, of course, you know, it's hard to approach that because it's like, while we, I know that, you want to have the conversation without being uh, sort of uh, very judgmental about uh, such a myth. Um, so it's, it's challenging. Uh, so that is definitely one of the one of the more uh, um, common ones. There, there are uh, the the length of the, the vaccine being new uh, is also uh, a, a major barrier uh, that always you know I certainly will uh, use the, the the data and our vast experience and history with vaccines to help uh, reassure folks. But it's still a challenge. You know, they just they just feel like it was. Uh, created very, very quickly and um, uh, uh, therefore represents a potential danger, no matter, uh, you know, what my explanation is typically. But it's often I'm able to at least, uh, you know, compete that fear with, the, with the, the, the true dangers and problems of COVID itself, the actual getting the disease. And I, I think that does strike a, a tone with people, that they, the, that they will hear that the actual disease is bad and that, We've only, we're, we're in a good place in the pandemic uh, uh, because of the vaccine, even if it has problems. And I, I think that's what's helped most people. But it's, it's an evolving conversation and, and is a challenge. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Pogachar. I mean, I've kind of noticed that as well. I mean, like one of the things I've said to my patients is the vaccine wasn't rushed. It was prioritized. It's a public health emergency. The whole planet got together. 
And so that's why it came out what seems so soon. But Dr. Chen, I want to shift to you next and ask you a little about testing in school. You become one of the local experts in our state about testing students uh, for, for COVID, you know, in, in schools. And, you know, I guess I'm just curious, like, why should parents consent to school-based testing for their kids? What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Chan? So I feel like, you know, I can speak to this personally as well, having a 10 and 14-year-old in the, the town of Lincoln public school system. But, uh, I mean, testing has always been a key component of addressing and mitigating COVID. And I think we have to remember, to your point, Dr. McDonald, is that up to 50% plus of people may be asymptomatic. Uh, I am a little bit concerned that people with the Delta variant may be more symptomatic. That's something that uh, may pan out to be true in the future. But testing is just one of those ways to identify people with COVID, identify them early, and of course, take the appropriate uh, isolation measures so that they don't uh, transmit to other people. So testing really, really, really is a key part of this. And I just want to encourage parents to uh, consent to uh, school-based testing for their children if it comes up. There's really no dangers to testing, and especially not the way that uh, we now do it, which is just with a, a nasal, what's known as an anterior interior nasal swab. We're no longer really doing the nasal pharyngeal back of the throat, uh, you know, tickle your brain test. So the way that we're testing now is really minimal uh, discomfort and, and minimal, you know, any sort of adverse event that could possibly occur. So just a plug to, to get your kids tested and consent to it so that schools can, can test your kids. Let's uh, switch now to uh, Dr. Pogachar. Let me ask you this. Let's go back to for a second, some of these, uh, some of the questions on remote versus hybrid uh, uh, schools. I think looking to 2021, and I think as has been the case for the last year and a half here, uh, some degree of flexibility will be needed going into 2021, especially with the Delta variant. Based on the lessons learned from, from 2020 here, what are your suggestions for how families can best prepare for the upcoming school year? How, any advice for them or what are you telling parents? Yep, I think, uh, I think you said it in, in the general idea of being flexible. You know, um, be prepared for the possibility, prepare uh, your children, the students for those possibilities. Uh, you know, look into and make sure the school's prepared and, and what is the school plan and is the, and is the teacher prepared and when, what will be uh, the plan if this was to happen because there's chances that this will happen. It's, it's not uh, unlikely, it's actually likely. Um, so I, I think just uh, getting some preparation and discussion uh, and looking at what will happen. And I think, you know, as far as reassurance goes, I, I do think those would be relatively short-term uh, remote or hybrid situations. Um, so I, I think that's reassuring. But again, uh, to have the, uh, the plan would be the key. Yeah. And Dr. Brasa, as we're getting close to the end of our time today, you know, one more question about, are you optimistic about the fall for children and their mental health? I mean, when you think about what it was like last year for anxiety and depression, any thoughts about you know, what you see coming out for the fall for kids um, as they enter into the um, school year? I am optimistic about that particular aspect of things. The, I think socialization is so important to kids and being around other kids and, um, and, and teachers as well. Um, so I am optimistic that that is going to is going to help um, a lot of that, um, you know, the depressive and anxiety symptoms that we saw. So I am optimistic about that. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Brasa. 
you know, as I, as I think about today's episode, one of the things I really see going through us as a theme is, you know, we've been through a population trauma. Uh, all of us have gone through that, not just locally and nationally, but globally. And really school is one of those places where it's really been something that's become manifest. And I think as we look as parents and guardians and other trusted adults in the lives of students, you know, one of the things we have an opportunity to do is try to head and make this school season as normal as possible. So I think one of the things that would be helpful is back to school shopping. I think one of the things that'd be important to talk to our students about is getting excited about going back to school again. You know, what do school sports look like again? And I think as far as other things to talk about is like trying to say, what do you think is going to happen? And I think it's going to be similar to what you know from the past. You're going to see your friends. Some of them are going to grow a little bit taller because we all grow over the summer. And just in a really nice way of explaining to kids, look, this is what we really see happening. It's going to get back to normal. You know, we do have to caution everything with the Delta variant that's out there. And we worry about that, but I still think we have strategies to mitigate that. You know, some of that is testing frequently in schools, some of that's mask wearing, and some of that's controlling how far apart we are from there. But it really is important for kids to get back to school in person. Dr. Chan, it's time to go back to you for our final word. Today's episode has blown by. It's been great to have Dr. Barasa and Dr. Pogachar on today, and we've enjoyed you on Public Health Aloud. But Dr. Chan, what's the final word for today's episode? Thank you, Dr. McDonald, and thank you, a big thank you to Dr. Barasa, Dr. Pogachar. Uh, last two thoughts here, make an appointment. Go see your uh, pediatrician, uh, parents, schedule an appointment for your kids. Just want to, uh, again, emphasize how important that is. And if you're vaccine, if you are considering the vaccine and have not gotten it yet, uh, for your kids, for 12-year-olds and up, uh, do discuss with your pediatrician, your primary care provider uh, about those concerns. Uh, concerns are reasonable. Again, we're looking forward to vaccine, uh, vaccinating kids under 12 uh, in the coming winter here, coming late fall, early winter. That's some news that has recently been released. But in closing, I wanna leave everyone with a moment of Zen to consider throughout the rest of your day. And here it is, a quote from our uh, former president, John F. Kennedy. Children are the world's most valuable resource and its best hope for the future. Thank you all and be well. I wanna thank Stephanie Menders, our executive producer, Carol Stone, our technical director. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. Have a good, keep up the great, everyone.